today on the Beginner Photography Podcast. And I noticed that anything with an oceanscape that I, I don't know, like I love being near the ocean. I think that it makes amazing scenery. Then I started looking through some other photos that I shot um, specifically in New Zealand of lakes and freshwater. And I noticed that they, even though they weren't as cool of an image, they were like people were liking them and engaging with them on a whole new level. So I'm like, all right, so you're right. So freshwater is just one of those things that people kind of connect with that makes for a good travel photo as well as pathways. So like game trails and things like that are just, again, human psychology that lots of people do like to do their own thing and make their own path, but it's a lot safer to stay on that path that um, somebody's already created for you. So people also seem to engage with a lot more. Welcome to the Beginner Photography Podcast with Raymond Hatfield, the podcast dedicated to interviewing world-class photographers to ask them the questions you want answered. Whether you want to be the world's best wedding photographer, family photographer, pet photographer, or you just want to take better photos of your kids growing up, we will get you to start taking better photos today. Here with you as always, husband, father, home brewer, L.A. Dodger fan, and award-winning Indianapolis wedding photographer, Raymond Hatfield. Hey guys, it is me, Raymond Hatfield, again your host for the Beginner Photography Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me this week. This is a massive episode that I know you guys are going to get a ton of value um, in, and and I'm, I'm really excited for this one. This one um, just has something that a lot of people want to know about. Uh, it just seems like a dream. seems like a dream come true. And, and the way that today's guest has kind of set up the life that he lives now is, is nothing less than inspiring and absolutely incredible. So I'm really excited to get into this interview. It's massive. So I'm not going to hold you any longer than what I have to. I know that you guys are biting your nails thinking, I want to travel the world for free. How do I do this? So we're going to get into it right now. I hope that you enjoy today's episode with Taylor... Jackson. 10 years ago, if you would have asked me, what does the life of a travel photographer look like? I probably would have painted a picture of today's guest's life from Tokyo, Italy, Kenya, even Chernobyl and Antarctica to list a million more. Uh, Taylor seems to be always busy with work. And if you watch any of his videos on YouTube, definitely shows that he has a true passion for the life that he has created for himself. So today I'm super excited to get into the podcast with Taylor Jackson. Taylor, welcome to the podcast and thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I really, and I, I enjoy podcasts so much listening to them and it's cool to, I guess, finally be a part of one. <laughs> it's definitely, it's, 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 it's a different thing for sure when you listen back and you're like, oh yeah, this is funny. So again, thank you for coming on. Um, the, as I mentioned in the intro, I say that you are a travel photographer, but truly you do so much more than that. Can you fill the listeners in and give them a snapshot of kind of everything that it is that you do? Um, so everything is a big list. I think that I just work all the time, but it's all stuff that I enjoy doing. So it doesn't, it never feels like work. Um, so I photograph, uh, I think I have 67 weddings this year, which is a pretty significant number for general busy life. Yeah, and then anybody. on top of that, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's, um, I've been doing weddings for a little over 10 years now. So I have all the behind the scenes workflow, um, outsourcing everything just like really dialed in now. So it's very simple for me to go to the wedding day. And then at that point, pretty much everything's on autopilot. Um, so it's not really a full-time job anymore, even though it, it definitely seems like a full-time job. <laughs> and then, um, a couple of years ago, I just decided to kind of take a shot at doing this travel show. And, uh, 
just kind of film. It, it, it began as, I guess, filming in between. So I'd be in London, UK or something for an actual shoot or a wedding or something like that. And I would take two or three days off and just uh, kind of film what I wanted to film and kind of, I guess, shoot my own portfolio in a sense in hopes that someday someone will maybe give me money um, to make that happen. But it uh, it turned out that you kind of have to you have to be creative and you have to kind of generate your own income um, in travel in 2017. Okay, so would you consider yourself when somebody says at a party, hey, what do you do? Do you say, if you had to pick one, do you say I'm a wedding photographer or do you say that I'm a, a travel show host? Um, it depends. It's weird. Um, so whenever I'm, whenever I'm like teaching people wedding photography or teaching people travel photography, I tell them that it's super important that you dial in, like that you are a wedding photographer. That is who you are. That's who you identify as, or a travel photographer that you can't do both. Um, but I definitely do both. And it's, uh, I don't, I, I think I've just been doing it long enough that now it's possible. Um, but when I was just beginning, there was, there's no chance you just kind of dilute yourself and no one would trust you as a wedding photographer. If you're also a travel photographer and no hotels are going to be willing to, um, book you if they're not going to book a wedding photographer to shoot, um, like one of the restaurants or like a new opening or something like that. Right. So, of course. So, so you definitely say that you're, you're a wedding photographer. Yeah, well, I think it depends on the audience. If the audience is all mid twenties, um, people that look engaged, then I'm definitely a wedding <laughs> photographer. Um, and it also depends on the conversations that you want to have as well. So just it all, all depends on the room, I guess. But I think my Instagram bio is wedding photographer and travel photographer. So <laughs> gotcha. So you mentioned your your YouTube uh, show real quick, which is for everybody who's listening is called a photographer in, which is now in its second season, which is super mm. cool and exciting. Um, in the intro. Um, well, a little bit about it. You you travel to different p- places and you take pictures, which is what you said. In the intro, you say that it's always been a dream of yours to have a travel show. So one day you just got up and did it. My first thought is, holy cow, that must be incredibly expensive. And I can't do that. Is that true? Um, I think it all depends on... I guess the scope of things. So I was lucky enough that I was already a working photographer at the time. So I would be somewhere and usually I'd be somewhere photographically interesting. Um, at least, uh, that's when I kind of started filming everything and there, well, I, I own the gear at, like the first season is literally me with a Nikon D 5,500 because it's the only Nikon camera with a front front facing screen and, uh, just kind of self filming everything. And it's essentially a, a vlog that maybe I spent, 10 hours extra editing, um, on top of what I would have done if I was just doing a daily, um, edit and, uh, put it all together. And it's also the planning, but, um, I guess the good thing with once you kind of have a little bit of a presence is that you can actually contact, um, people and kind of ask to get hooked up or ask hotels for hookups or experiences that you want to do. Um, because you're, you're a photographer or you're a video creator and you have kind of a skill that you can actually give to them. You're not just an influencer coming in and, being like, hey, can I just have free stuff for that Instagram post? It's like, no, you're actually creating value that if you go and you eat at a restaurant for free or um, for whatever, that like if you give them a photo, it's going to be a proper photo that they can actually um, use on their own Instagram and that type of thing. So that's kind of how it started. And um, well, it's kind of the great. <laughs> you go from like, yeah, you know, I was already working and then now I'm working with like restaurants and, and other like hotel openings. And you say that that's just how it started. But but surely there's more to that. You say that. Um, you know, I don't know, I guess you have to have some sort of presence to, um, online presence to, to be able to reach out to these places. And are you reaching out to them? Are they reaching out to you? How does, how does that work? 
Um, I just emailed absolutely everyone. Um, I had no shame. Um, I was not worried about rejection, I guess. Um, so I just, any, any hotel that I wanted to go to, um, I just kind of sent them an email. It's like, Hey, here's what I'm doing. I'm in season one of the show. Um, we had, we had a little bit of a promo together. So it's kind of like, here's our 32nd, um, trailer of just kind of places that we'd been. It was all, um, it was nothing super impressive, but it was something to give them kind of the flavor of what we wanted to do. And I think that, um, in the early stages, they were even more likely to hook us up because um, they didn't know the scale of it. It could have been huge. It could have been millions and millions of people um, watching it. And we were we were very honest with them. It's like we don't have we don't have metrics on an audience yet, but here is kind of our estimates. So um, people were very excited to help out, kind of in the first year. Um, and then I, I don't know. Maybe it's that. Uh, lots more people are reaching out to hotels now and experiences and trying to get free things in exchange for things. And maybe that's kind of, um, become normal now, but uh, a couple of years ago it was, it seemed easier. <laughs> <laughs> so now that you're in season two, are you finding that you're still having, um, uh, the, the same issues like you just talked about? Yeah, it's, um, well, it's, it, it's, you have to be creative and it's always, um, always new issues. And with those new issues come new opportunities as well. So, um, maybe if, uh, if something doesn't seem to be working anymore, that forces you to start trying something else. And maybe that's, uh, something that pays off even more. Right. Right. Okay. Very smart. Uh, so the, the premise behind a photographer in is, um, Partly, like you said, you, you're already in these locations. You're going to film something, um, and you're going to turn it into a travel show. So one, actually, that I just watched, um, you were in um, – um, I don't remember any of the Canadian names. Not Alberta. <laughs> not Halifax. Nova Scotia, That's yeah. That's where you are. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, we were at the Halifax airport. Um, we had a wedding. Um, we're Canadian, so we do get booked kind of across Canada, um, which is nice. And the East Coast, Canada is amazing. Like, if you – if you ever want to book a trip to Canada, I would say either go East Coast or West Coast. Uh, no maybe in between. Tr- well, Toronto can be like maybe your second or third trip. It's okay. it's a great city, <laughs> but um, the West Coast is amazing because it's all mountains and um, it's great. And then the East Coast is equally as good and kind of cool fishing vibe. Um, and we had a wedding out there. So we just basically had, I think I was there for three or four days with uh, my fiance and we just kind of filmed what we did we had a little bit of kind of the wedding filmed in that as well and uh yeah we photographed a super creepy house that we were staying in what i wanted to get at is the super (laughs) creepy house that you were at um did you reach out to them before and say hey we're just so happen to be we're going to be in nova scotia um we have this show we want to stay in your hotel i'll take some photos of your hotel as well um yeah so that one i did i we had the hotel booked because we were there for the wedding. So it was kind of, um, a hundred percent necessity that we had a place to stay. Yeah. Um, whereas when I'm booking, um, for the travel show, I'm a lot more open that it's like, Hey, I know I kind of want to come to this city, but I have no specific plan for the wedding. It was like, we need to stay kind of within this area. Um, otherwise, uh, cause there's only a couple hotels in that smaller city. Uh, and I also, I didn't know how much I was actually going to film at the hotel. So I didn't reach out to them specifically. If it was a normal circumstance, um, I would have had maybe, uh, kind of maybe three or four different hotels in mind and, uh, would have reached out to all of them and been like, Hey, here's what we do. Here's, um, some metrics. Here's like my Instagram, things like that. And, uh, usually one in one in four people, they'll at least get back to you. And as long as you're honest and it doesn't, 
seem like you're trying to scam them or anything, they will give you feedback. They'll be like, hey, just um, it might not be the time for us. Like try back another time or um, they might just say straight up that they don't do that um, if they're a busy hotel. Um, Sometimes they just don't. But if they're a mom pop shop and they have an open bed and it's on a week's notice, uh, something's probably going to happen in that opportunity. Yeah. What would you do if... uh three hotels got back to you and said, yeah, we'd love for you to stay at our hotel and photograph us. Um, it hasn't happened yet. Um, (laughs) I've had, uh, usually what I, I think what, what I would do is just, um, I would spend one night maybe at each of them, which is not what my fiance loves doing. Um, (laughs) I, I love being in a new place like every day kind of forced to explore. Uh, and then Lindsay likes to just kind of hang out for five or six days somewhere and have a home base. Mm. Um, so our ideas of travel, uh, at least when we're filming the show, are entirely different. So, <laughs> um, so I do vacations with her. We have, um, I guess that's kind of another thing that when your passion and your hobby becomes kind of your life, that you need to kind of separate personal again from that, which is uh, which is extremely hard because when we go on trips, like I want to film, I want to like share that, and now it's. Um, kind of this weird area i guess (laughs) of having to just like sit back and relax and not stay busy yeah i'm i don't know about you but i'm really terrible at just not doing anything um i always want to be creative creating things and whether it's photos or videos or anything um i just that's what kind of gives gives me value in my life i guess yeah for sure no i understand i definitely feel more fulfilled when i create something and publish it and like put it out in the world but sometimes getting started is just overwhelming so good for you for just doing it all the time and just staying in that mode for sure yeah it's uh it's just a lot of figuring out like as you go it's like you try one thing and if it works then it's like okay like we're gonna continue through with this and then if you just get shut down um maybe like whatever you're trying to do maybe isn't the exact right thing so you just kind of pivot and refocus and keep moving forward right right (laughs) um I want to talk a little bit about uh, the travel photography side again is when I was in, I think it was third or fourth grade, there was this kid in our class, his name was Irvin, which is like the strangest name ever, Irvin, but uh, he was a cool kid, I guess. Uh, And one year, like on vacation, he went um, to Yellowstone with his family. And this was like during the school year. So he was gone for a few weeks. And then when he came back, like, we had to watch, like, slide projector photos of his trip to Yellowstone, and it was horrendous. I mean, it was terrible. All these photos were, like, garbage, and it's like, I understand the kids in third grade, you know, how good are these photos going to be? But thinking about, like, even today, if somebody's like, hey, I just went down to, you know, Florida, or we went to vacation, you want to see my photos? Like, nine times out of ten, I'm going to be like, no. I don't, like, because they're probably going to be garbage. So, like, what is it that makes travel photos not only good, but good enough to attract the attention of uh, somebody who's willing to trade for, say, a, a, a night stay in a hotel.
Hey, Raymond here. If you're sometimes baffled by which camera settings to use, then I've got just the thing for you. My free guide, Picture Perfect Camera Settings. It's a fantastic starting point for anybody eager to understand the basics of camera settings in various shooting scenarios. And it's tailored to beginners who want to get out of auto mode, providing clear, easy to follow suggestions on where to start with your settings. So whether you're capturing a stunning landscape or a family portrait, Picture Perfect Camera Settings will help you to get off of automatic mode and explore the possibilities your camera offers. Remember, mastering photography settings is a journey, and this guide is your first step, and the perfect resource to guide you towards finding the right settings for your style. So grab your copy today at perfectcamerasettings.com and start your journey to better photos. Um, so we did an interview with Trey Ratcliffe uh, on the show that will be out in maybe a month. Um, we shot a lot in New Zealand. Um, and Trey uh, basically answered this question, but in a way that I had never um, thought of before. And he kind of broke it down to uh, that a good travel photo, one that you're just naturally attracted to and you don't know why you like it, but you just really like it, um, that it comes down to basic human psychology. And one of the elements is just fresh water. And I never really noticed this um, until I kind of went back through my metrics after talking with him. And I noticed that anything with an oceanscape that I, I don't know, like I love being near the ocean. I think that like it makes amazing scenery. Sure. And then I started looking through some other photos that I shot um, specifically in New Zealand of lakes and freshwater. And I noticed that they, even though they weren't as cool of an image, they were like people were liking them and engaging with them on a whole new level. So I'm like, all right. So you're right. Um, <laughs> so freshwater is just one of those things that people kind of connect with that makes for a good travel photo, um, as well as pathways. So like game trails and things like that are just, again, human psychology that I know that lots of people do like to do their own thing and make their own path, but it's a lot safer to stay on that path that um, somebody's already created for you. So pathways through um, trees or pathways through grass or even roadways, um, people also seem to engage with a lot more. And um, there are a few other um, smaller elements, but those are kind of the big ones that I was like, okay, like I don't, it wasn't a thing that I was looking for in the past, but now that's something that I'm going to try to include in my photos whenever possible in the future. Sure. Um, so I think those make for just attractive kind of in the back of your mind um, photos that you don't know why you like them. You just like them a lot more. Hey, Raymond here, and we will get back to today's show in just a moment. But first, if you shoot in auto mode and you let your camera make the decisions for which settings to use, well, then you will only ever take the same photo as everyone else who shoots in auto. That's like 99% of the world's population taking the same photo as you. Don't let that happen. Stand out. When you control your settings, you can create beautiful images. And to get you started, I invite you to download my free ebook, Perfect Camera Settings, over at perfectcamerasettings.com. There, you will see real photos that I've taken in different situations and the settings that I use to capture those photos. I'm also going to teach you how to know which setting is the most important to pay attention to and when to change them. So, again, download your free copy over at perfectcamerasettings.com now. All right, let's get back to today's interview. Thank you. 
good note to self. Next time I, I see a trail leading to an ocean, that's going to be like a million likes on Instagram. <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. So let's say um, that you're going to like a, a city um, or, that you're, or that you're doing something um, for a hotel. And again, I don't know why I keep going back to this hotel uh, uh, concept, I guess. But let's say that they're not near an ocean and that they're in the middle of a city. Like what, what's just something that you would, that you would do for them to, to provide a good travel photo? Um, the easy, uh, the, the easy fish in the barrel, I guess, is, uh, that you just do kind of a long exposure that if you have a tripod, um, you just get those city lights, those cars going by. Um, that is a super easy photo to take that almost seems too easy, um, that <laughs> all hotels just love. And if you go out during blue hour, it's like you can set up for three minutes, do like a single 20 second exposure if it's in a busy area. And that's probably going to be a photo that um, they're going to lose their minds over. <laughs> and it like and it takes you like five minutes. And maybe it's not a photo that you love, but it's kind of that safe shot that you know that as long as like as long as you get that one, um, that you're going to fulfill at least like most of your promise kind of with yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and other than that, I've um, it totally depends kind of on where you're at that if they're integrated kind of into the city that they're probably going to want some more photos showing how close they are into the city. So it's almost that you have to take a step back and think from a marketing standpoint, what images um, would they like or what video clips um, would they be the most likely to use? And uh, one other thing that we found this year is that if you make them a short um, Instagram edit, so like 30 or 40 seconds um, just with some footage um, that looks professional, that that's something that usually people aren't creating for them so they're very very um happy to maybe send you one of their other properties or just uh kind of connect you with other people that are kind of like-minded so when you say an instagram edit with some footage do you just mean like a short video clip or like a little montage with photos and videos in it um usually it's just video clips so i shoot um pretty much anything that i'm ever photographing i'm also taking a video of um my mind just kind of works that i know that um in season one of the show like I, it was just me. So I had to video everything and then I also had to take the photo and then I also had to get some behind the scenes footage of me also <laughs> taking the photo, which is, um, it's a lot of layers to work with, but, um, it's kind of just the way that my brain works now that especially whenever I'm at a wedding that I'm shooting both photo and video pretty much every single wedding. Um, so I'm just kind of shooting that. I shoot it at 60 frames a second so that you kind of cheat a little bit where when you make it slow motion, it looks prettier and also you have to shoot like way less actual content. Um, so then I just slow it down and post and maybe it's, uh, maybe it's an exterior. Uh, maybe it's like a time lapse of the same long exposure that you're taking. Uh, just a few things like that and just kind of blend them all together. Okay, cool, cool. So if, if somebody's listening to you right now and maybe they're thinking like, wow, I really like this, this idea of traveling for free. You've talked about, um, um, like types of travel photos that hotels are looking for and stuff. The listener might also be thinking that you have to have a pretty good size social following because looking at you, you do have a pretty good size social following on both Instagram and YouTube. Um, and you've earned it. Like, like you have really good content, obviously. Um, what would you say to the people who, who want to get into this, but maybe only have like a few hundred followers? Um, well, that's kind of what I started at. Um, I was coming from essentially all I shot was weddings and nothing really kind of beyond that. And I had a very specific following that liked to look at wedding photos and local wedding vendors and things like that. And 
while it was doing me well here, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't something that was going to elevate my career to like the next level or anything like that. So I pretty much just went out and just started, um, talking with people that were kind of doing what I was doing and I would find anybody, uh, I use a program, an app called focal marked, um, now to just find like good app or to find good hashtags. Um, so you basically just type in like what the photo is and it'll give you a bunch of hashtags that are kind of in the middle range. And so you're not looking for like the top photos on like hashtag Nikon. You're looking for like hashtag Nikon photography underscore, um, something else. And then you find kind of the people that are ranking high on those hashtags because they're kind of playing that game as well, that they know kind of what they're doing. And they're, um, if they're in those hashtags, like they're also trying to build a following at the same time. So I just started interacting with them and a few of them have kind of become a little bit bigger over time. And when you start doing collaborations with uh, people that are kind of on your level and you kind of all, um, rising a little bit together, it, uh, it's really, really helpful, especially when they're kind of in the same or roughly the same niche as you. So how much time would you invest in Instagram to, to grow your following? Uh, I actually hired uh, my friend. She's a social media. Um, that's what she does. And for the first two months, I was kind of at this crossroads where I had a personal Instagram that I was starting to share like a little bit of my professional work on. Um, and I kind of realized that it's the proper thing to either separate those entirely or just go straight professional. Um, so I kind of ran both a personal and then I had her, uh, I think it was like 15 bucks a week or something. Um, just like post a couple photos, like once or twice a day. I think she probably gave me a pretty wicked deal. Um, and would you give her those photos to post? Yeah. And then I was just like, just have a look at kind of what other people are doing and just write something that's, um, that's kind of like meshes with that. And I kind of quickly realized that there's a lot more traction in, um, spending time and making your Instagram really professional. So at that point I was like, okay, maybe my professional Instagram should also be my personal one. And I should just pay more attention to like, I'm, if I'm at a party, I'm not going to be like shooting like a very terribly lit photo, um, <laughs> that I'm going to wait until I have like maybe a group shot from an actual proper camera or at least in good lighting before I post it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's done. Um, that was kind of one of the, the points that really kind of began my process to the next level. Okay, cool. And then over time, obviously, you just slowly start growing more followers and more followers. Have you yeah. ever found a um, a brand or you know somebody who you reach out to say no simply because your following was not large enough? Um, no, I think that's. Uh, I'm going to say that if they don't get back to you, that's probably what they're at least thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, or the the other thing is that I noticed, um, that I think has gotten a lot better kind of in the past couple of years is that sometimes hotels just don't have the process in place to be able to comp you something like that. And they, they just don't know how to deal with you. So instead of responding, they just ignore it because it's easier. Um, which is unfortunate, but, uh, I was talking with uh, the guy that runs the Hilton, um, NASA social media presence. And he's just like, yeah, like we just, we just don't like, we don't know how to do that. (laughs) <laughs> and my boss doesn't really care. So we just we just ignore it. We were told to ignore it. So Okay, well, that, uh, that's actually a, a really interesting thing that you brought up. Obviously, Nassau's in the Bahamas, and it's a very big location. If anybody stays there, more than likely, they're going to be posting photos of their, of their vacation or their trip. So I'm sure that they get a lot of um, um, attention from people on social media. How do you differentiate yourself to say, look, I'm worth what it is that um, I'm, I'm worth this opportunity? 
It's almost just that, um, I guess it's the level of professionalism hmm. and the fact that you're actually reaching out to them and you find their email address or you find, um, usually what I do is I'll, if I'm looking for something specific, I'll just find the public relations email address, even if it's just a general one. Um, that's usually a good place to start or, um, on Twitter, you just kind of reach out to them as well because gotcha. pretty much everyone has like a good Twitter presence now, I think now in 2017, Except finally, me. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a good one either. Okay, um, cool. Now I don't feel but, so alone, <laughs> but I think brand like bigger brands, I think they just have somebody hired to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of their job now is to like curate this content. And if you can make their life a lot easier by being like, Hey, here's like a list of things I'm going to make for you. Um, how do we make this happen? They're going to kind of push that ahead to their boss to be like, Hey, like we have, literally no content for the next calendar month. And if this guy comes in, he can shoot like 10 days of stuff for us. Um, and then usually that's kind of how things start working out, but there's no just cookie cutter process. It's all still interesting and different all the time. Sure. No, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, when, you know, I've talked to destination wedding photographers, I've talked to other travel photographers and there's really like two types of people, the people who bring all of their gear, that they've ever owned and then use whatever it is that they need. And then the people who only bring a very light kit and then just deal with, um, you know, just deal with their limitations that they have. Um, obviously having a travel show, also recording video, you do some drone stuff as well. What kind of photographer are you? There are two ways to bring home more money with your photography business. You either get more clients or you spend less of the money that you make. CloudSpot Studio helps you keep more of what you earn. With the lowest payment processing fees in the industry, the average photographer will save $300 annually. And that's just more money to invest in essential gear like a new flash or a sweet camera bag. You know, one that is perfect for storing all of the wedding day snacks that you can pack. But it's not just about savings. CloudSpot Studio is designed to streamline your workflow. Easily organize shoots, send contracts, questionnaires, invoices, and you're really going to enjoy the hassle-free payments. So sign up for a free CloudSpot account at deliverphotos.com and... As a bonus, you're going to get access to my exclusive wedding and portrait contracts and questionnaires at no additional cost. Why let fees chip away at your profits? Empower your photo journey with CloudSpot and watch your business soar. I bring as little as possible. <laughs> um, I have done trips. I did one trip specifically. I wasn't shooting anything that was officially um, a professional gig but I just brought the Sigma 24 and that's the only lens that I had for like a week. And it was pretty much like shoot within those limitations and see what I can create. So I did like a family shoot and a bunch of kind of like art photos and some stuff for, uh, that ended up on Disney style and, uh, and like a few other just random things. And it, it, I like being put in that box that I don't have like an 80 to 400 that I'm going to be like, Oh, I need to run back to the room to get this, to get this shot. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, yeah, I don't have that. So like maybe I have a 50 and a 24, which is um, usually my typical kit. And uh, when I'm traveling, it um, when you're doing video, you just need something with uh, stabilization in the lens, unless you're shooting Sony or uh, Panasonic, I suppose. But yeah, so I just have a bunch of kind of general zooms at like the 24 to 120. Nikon's pretty good for just kind of everything. Mm -hmm. And I find that when I'm shooting travel and landscapes that I don't really need the depth of field from like a 1.4 lens. So right. 
if I'm out in the field, like I don't mind stopping down a little bit to actually get the proper um, sharpness and quality out of the lens because uh, I have time to do that and the ability to do that. Um, and also just, I don't know, I, for, for people, like definitely I like that full frame, like 1.4 general look, but for travel, like it doesn't really matter what sure. you're shooting. Okay. Uh, do you like sell any of the photos that you take um, in your travels uh, like separately, like on, on like photo stock websites or, or on your own website as prints or are you just shooting for yourself and or for a client? Um, it's uh, I guess basically like um, I have an entire gigantic course kind of on all of this, but um, pretty much like my life is just a bunch of multiple, like multiple different streams of income okay. and uh, stock photography, like micro stock was the first one that I found. And I found that maybe probably almost like 10 years ago now. And that was just a way to make enough money that I didn't feel bad spending like 500 bucks on a new lens. <laughs> and it was incredibly like, it was great for that, that I was like, okay, so I'm making this money with photography. So now like in my mind, it's fine to spend that photography income back on photography. And the only thing I didn't love with microstock was just keywording. Um, cause it's just so tedious and such a pain, but it's still like, it's still profitable. Like that portfolio that I set up, um, I haven't updated it in probably six, seven years now and it still pays me every month. So, wow. uh, yeah, it's insane. And I, I guess like one tip that if you are interested in getting into this is that um, video for Microstock is just like uh, I have a lot of friends making some pretty good money off of it. So if you're out traveling, even on family vacations or whatever, and you have um, like a small drone, like a Spark or a Mavic, just shoot some aerial stuff and um, just shoot some just boring stuff locked down on tripods because that's um, that's the type of stuff that sells, which is not the most creative and inspiring, but um, it will make you enough money to maybe go on trips that are creative and inspiring. That's a good tip. I like that a lot. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of your course, you said that you also teach photographers um, a lot about exactly what we're talking about today. Um, how to, I don't want to say travel for free because I, I don't know. Is it, is, is that the right term to say like you teach people how to travel for free? Um, yeah. So it's kind of like, I, I think that a break even trip so that if you, if you spend some money, you do a trip, you come back and um, once you're maybe six or eight or 10 months down the road, once you've kind of made money from that, at that point, if that's a break even trip, I would say that that's a success. And if you get to go to Italy and you come back and uh, we do we do something that not a lot of photographers do anymore, which is like actual gallery shows. Um, yeah. So um, I guess I'll talk about that for a second because it's, uh, it's something that is kind of the big one of the biggest multiple streams of income that we have is that I think two years ago, three years ago now, we did our first one. And essentially what we wanted to do, which is kind of the idea behind the travel show as well, that we wanted to get people connected to the photos that we're taking because there's just so many good photos out there um, that if you want something that looks pretty on your wall, like if you want a shot of the Amalfi Coast or whatever, you have like hundreds of thousands of options for that. Like, why are you going to pick one photo over the other? And our thinking was that if we go and we do a video, um, show us creating the photos, show us like kind of the in-between times that maybe somebody will buy that photo, put that up on their wall. And whenever somebody asks about it, it's like, oh yeah, like here's the entire behind the scenes of them oh, creating okay. this photo. So that was the, like the initial thought. So 
um, we decided to just do this group group trip to Italy. So my fiance and I went and then we brought two of our friends that, um, create videos. So we made this little 20 minute documentary kind of behind the scenes. And we, another thing we did was we set the gallery date before we went on the trip. Oh, so we geez. were just like super held accountable. Yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. So, and we're like laying in bed, like hung over at like seven in the morning and sunrise is like seven fifteen. It's like, we need to get out. Otherwise, like we're not going to have anything that looks good. And yeah, so it's, um, it was good motivation. And then we just found a space that we could hang up a few photos and we, um, I think printed them through like WHCC and, um, got them delivered and just hung them up and made an event bright and basically just boosted the crap out of it on Facebook uh, to our local area. And uh, I think like 350 people showed up, Wow, which is like crazy. Um, and I, one other thing uh, that I'll just mention quickly is that uh, with travel photography, we've learned that if you are um, if you're photographing a place that a lot of people have been, it's usually a very successful gallery show. If you are photographing somewhere that not a lot of people have been, like um, Antarctica, um, <laughs> not a lot of people connect with those photos because we oh, found that wow. everybody that buys photos um, at those types of shows has been to that place. It's like, oh, yeah, we've like had breakfast like right here. And they buy that photo because it's like a professional version of their iPhone photo that they might have taken like three or four years ago when they were there. So Yeah, that's interesting. I really would have thought that it would have been the opposite, that mm -hmm. people buying photos of like Antarctica would be doing it because maybe they can't afford the experience to actually go to Antarctica or see something like that. So, okay, that's a very good tip. I'm going to have to remember that. I'm going to have to remember that. Um, so we, we kind of got off track there um, where I guess I was asking um, more information about your teachings uh, and if you have any sort of uh, anything that you're offering now as far as courses go. Yeah, there's um, the entire kind of travel photography course. Uh, I pretty much just go through line by line, like everything um, that I do to make money. Um, I pretty much take all of last year as kind of the example because it's a January 1st to December 31st, like start finish line. And I just kind of go through everything and it's over at taylorjacksonblog.com. Um, but yeah, it's like it's pretty much everything that I know. <laughs> Okay, and last year was the leap year, so that's one extra day of income. There, so, <laughs> very true. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I ask this to everybody: if you could go back in time, what's the one thing that you would do to kind of pick up steam faster to get to where you are today? I think that um, it was something that I did at the beginning. That as soon as a cooler opportunity came along, that I kind of jumped ship. And I think it was that people. Um, they really love their local area. There's a lot of community supporters, um, specifically kind of around where we live. And I started doing a lot of the best landscape work that I could in this local area. And that started to sell really well. People were very interested in it. People wanted it for their offices, things like that. But then as soon as I had a little bit of money and I was like, oh, but I could also shoot this in Italy. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to go do that. And I entirely just forgot about kind of the local area and kind of those projects. So I would say start something um, local faster and really stick with it and keep building local content because um, this area is kind of where my business is based. And even though I do do a lot of travel, that when I come home, I like to also have a solid business that I don't have to, to worry about um, paying bills, things like that. So um, I would say really focus more on staying local, telling local stories, um, integrating myself kind of with the community and just, um, cultivating friendships with people that, um, I don't know, like 
kind of important people, not because they're important, but just because, um, I don't know, I find that a lot of people around here are pretty interesting. And if they're interesting, they're probably pretty popular. And if they're popular, they probably have a lot of friends and they're going to be happy to refer you as a photographer to their friends, whether it's for a wedding or for commercial real estate or whatever. Um, it's just kind of good, good to be connected locally. And success breeds success. Exactly. So, well, I really want to be mindful of your time and I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Can you let everybody know where they can find you online and uh, stay up to date with you? I know that you mentioned the website before. Uh, anything else? Um, Instagram. I'm just at Taylor Jackson. Um, that's the place that I update the most because uh, my blog takes a lot of effort to update, but it's very easy to post a single Instagram photo. Of course, of course. What did you guys think of that? How cool is that? How awesome is the life that Taylor has set up for himself? If you're somebody who likes to travel, you know how expensive it can be to stay at hotels, right? Maybe, you know, maybe if you're just traveling for a night or two, 150 bucks, 200 bucks, really isn't bad um, for a good, clean place to stay. But if you want to travel for any sort of period of time, I mean, if you're gone for a month, the hotel stay is a huge expense, Taylor has really found a way to um, provide not only value to the hotel because they're getting something um, that's worth it for them. If they want to show something on social media, this is a great way to do it. If they're trying to show off an experience um, for other you know, potential customers for them, this is a great way to show it because Taylor has the skills to take those photos. And so do you. So do you. You could do the exact same thing if you wanted to. You could go out. You could travel the world. And as long as you're providing value to somebody else, um, even if it's just, you know, an Airbnb, that might even be a thing. I didn't even think about that. Maybe just go on Airbnb and look for houses with really crappy photos and let them know, you know, I'm sure that there's a bunch in really cool locations and just let them know, hey, you know, I saw the photos on uh, on your Airbnb and no offense, they're garbage. I would love to help you out with that. Um, I'll be in Denver during this time. I would love to, you know, help you out. You can use the photos for whatever you want. Um, and, you know, in exchange for a one night stay or two night stay, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is. I think that a lot of people will jump on that. A lot of people who get into Airbnb probably aren't photographers. They're just thinking, hey, maybe I have this uh, property that I could use a few extra bucks. And everybody knows, you know, just show off the value of having great photos. What great photos can do for bookings for them. Show that off. And I bet you will be booked for a while traveling around. That's cool. That is super cool. I want to know what your biggest takeaway was from this episode. I know that there was a lot for me. There was. Um, that's one of the things that I might be doing. I might be reaching out whenever we go on vacations to, uh, to local Airbnbs and just see if I can provide value to them in exchange for a, uh, in a free night or two nights. So that's it, guys. If you really enjoyed this episode, let me know. Head over to the show notes um, at beginnerphotographypodcast.com. Leave a comment for Taylor. Let him know. Add him on Instagram once again. And check out his course. Really, he, as you can tell, Taylor obviously knows his stuff. His course has so much more information that's really going to walk you through step-by-step how he got to where he is. And if it's what you want to do, highly, highly encourage you to go check it out. So again, guys, that's it for this week of the Beginner Photography Podcast. I will be back next week where I have the most terrifying story I have ever told that something that has happened to me at a wedding. Um, So stay tuned for that. You're not going to want to miss it. I wish that I could forget about it, but anyway. Okay, I will see you all next week. Love you. Get out there. Shoot as much as you can. I will see you then. Have a great day. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Beginner Photography Podcast. Be sure to join the conversations on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want any links or resources we talked about in today's episode, check out the show notes at beginnerphotographypodcast.com. See you again next week.